welcome to the sermon podcast for Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago. We pray the message you are about to hear is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Amen. Hey, let's give it up for our God one more time this morning. Jericho, thank you for coming to worship with us and leading us. Man, it has been a joy to work with you. There were so many more things I had to do on the drums than I usually have to do. I was nervous. Now I'm not nervous. This is easier for me than what just happened behind that cage. And so I'm really grateful today for you, Jericho, for coming and hanging out with us and leading us to worship. You're doing a wonderful job in Orland, you and Jesse alike. Thank you guys for serving our church, and thank you for your attitudes that you do with. And by the way, speaking of attitudes... Your attitude is everything. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, my attitude is everything. Yeah, my attitude is everything. Now, some of us just said it, and we still don't believe it. We just said it, and we still don't believe it. Has anybody ever tried to teach you something that you didn't fully understand until later in life? Like, when I was younger, and I did something wrong, I was punished with something called a paddle. That's right old school. And the paddle that my parents used was this giant piece of wood, this block of wood that I took. And one day I was eating a red popsicle and I laid a red popsicle on this old school paddle and it melted and it seeped into the wood and it was stained blood red. Now this paddle looked like a medieval weapon. And at times it felt like a medieval weapon. (laughs) On one side of it, it actually said direct disobedience. And if I directly disobeyed my parents or my authority, that was the side of the paddle that was used. Now there was another side. And this side was used far more often. This side was used so often that I believe that the Sharpie probably had to be reapplied. It said bad attitude. Bad attitude, and so many times in my life, especially as a kid, I was punished for my bad attitude. And I wish it didn't take me so long to realize that my attitude is everything. My attitude determined my altitude, because just like a good attitude can bring treasure to your life, a bad attitude can bring torment to your life. Picture it, with you, picture it with me in your mind right now. The Sahara, the Mojave, the Gobi, the very names of these deserts can almost make your mouths dry as you begin to think about those scorched areas of the earth. You can almost feel the rays of the brutal sun beating down on your skin. You can almost picture the waves of sand dunes that seem to never end. Mirages that leave us empty-handed. And this is certainly a wilderness that we would want no part of. We certainly want to live here. We probably don't even want to visit here. And yet many of us are living here. Oh, not physically. Physically, we live in Chicagoland area, but spiritually, many of us are just that. Dry, parched, lifeless spiritually. And some of us are failing to make a connection of how we got here. How did we end up in a spiritual wilderness? I'm going to tell you straight up this morning, I believe that you're here Because of your attitude. Because God sees every single attitude that we have. Every complaint. Every grumble. Every criticism. He sees it all. 
And we might be tempted to think very little of our attitude and how it got us to the wilderness, but God has been consistently trying to send us messages through his word about the importance of our attitude. And as we look back in the Bible, we find a group of people known as the children of Israel who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they had a bad attitude. And over the next several weeks through the month of November, we're going to take a journey with the children of Israel. We're going to be traveling through the wilderness, taking a look at their bad attitudes and what attitudes God would have us replace with those bad attitudes. What good attitudes we should be having in our lives. And today, we're going to take a look at the good attitude of thankfulness and its enemy, complaining. Because those who choose complaining as their lifestyle will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. Those who choose complaining as their lifestyle will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. Every Christmas, my family and I would pack up the van and we'd travel down to spend time with my extended family in Lynchburg, Virginia. Every single year, all five of us, me, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, all of our luggage and all of the presents shoved as high as it could possibly go in the back of this minivan. And any of you who've ever taken a long road trip with a larger family, you can recall some of those memories, some of those smells, some of those tight spaces, some of those urges to pee with not a rest stop in sight. Man, some of those 13 to 15 hour trips felt a lot longer. Some of those 13 to 15 hour trips down to Lynchburg, Virginia felt like 24, 36, 48 hours. In some years in particular, they just dragged on and on as smells started coming from my junior high brother that should not escape a human body. As my sister started saying things that would just get on my nerves so consistently and she would not stop. As my dad would miss a turn or an exit that would add 20 minutes to this already ridiculously long trip, a complaint started just spilling out of my mouth. It was too hot. It was too cold. My brother smelled bad. My sister was annoying. My dad doesn't read the GPS. My mom's not paying attention. The smells are horrible. The space is too tight. I'm frustrated. I'm concerned. I'm annoyed. And I'm complaining. Complaining. For the next 13 hours, I complained all the way down to Lynchburg, Virginia. You know, I think you and I complain a lot more than we care to admit. We complain about our work. We complain about our boss. We complain about our home life. We complain about our spouse. We complain about our kids. We complain about our grandkids. We complain about our church, we complain about our food, we complain about the weather, we complain about our neighbors, we complain about the refs, we complain about anything and everything that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And in Numbers 11, we find the first attitude, the first bad attitude of the children of Israel that led them to wander in the wilderness for four decades. And I believe it's an attitude that Christians struggle with today, too. I believe that a complaining attitude is keeping a whole lot of us out of the promised land. A complaining attitude. Numbers 11 actually says this. And the people, the children of Israel, complained. They complained in the hearing of the Lord about all of their misfortunes. Like me, the children of Israel are having a rough trip. But this wasn't the only time we find them complaining. 
In fact, this is a bad attitude that we see them having all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, all the way from the time back with when they were in captivity with the Egyptians. This was something that they'd done so often that it had become a reflex. Something they just did the moment they were in a position they didn't want to be in. Have you ever found yourself to be like that? We're complaining, just almost a reflex. Something's happening that you don't like, so you just say something because it makes you feel a little bit better in the moment. It's almost like it's automatic. And I have. Complaining has been something that I almost revert to. I'm put into a situation that I don't like, put into a situation that makes me a little uncomfortable, and rather than doing anything about it, I just complain about it. And there are a few truths that I've learned that we all need to understand. The first one's important, don't miss it. Complaining's a sin. It's a sin. Make no mistake about it. Complaining is a sin. Oh, sure, it doesn't even crack the top 10 list of our sins. In our minds, it doesn't match up there with murder and adultery and covetousness. It it doesn't rank up there with those. But here's what God says about complaining in verse 1. It says, when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. Complaining makes God angry righteously angry. There's only one thing that I find to make God angry. Sin. Sin makes God angry. Complaining is a sin, and it comes in a lot of different forms, but God sees it all the same. Sin. The second thing I think we all need to know about complaining is that it doesn't change the circumstance at all. It doesn't change anything. Our complaint doesn't change anything. Our circumstances remain the same. So why do we do it? Well, simply put, because it appeases our sinful nature. It makes us sinfully feel a little bit better. Because there's something inside of us that's telling us to complain. And when we choose to complain, we're putting at ease that sinful nature. I had a group of friends in high school that I always ate lunch about, ate lunch with. And we would complain about everything. The school, the rules, the church, the youth group, the parents, the teachers, anything and everything that we could complain about, we spent that whole lunch period complaining. And do you know what? Our complaints didn't change a single thing. Teachers stayed the same. Parents stayed the same. Rules didn't change. The only thing that changed was our attitudes. As we complained, 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 it didn't change a thing. The third thing I think we all need to know about complaining is that it's noticed. People notice when we complain. Someone actually said this about complaining. Our complaining doesn't change anything except how other people view us. Doesn't change anything except other people's opinions about us and how true is that. We went to Six Flags. That same group of friends that I spent every single lunch period with complaining about anything and everything. And I remember one year we put a group together. There was a rule where it had to be at least four guys. If you're going to have girls, there had to be at least four guys in an odd number. It was, I don't remember the exact rule, but it, but it was a weird rule. And so we had this perfect group going together. And there was this one guy in our group who was just going to complain about anything and everything that he could. He complained about the lines. He complained about the hot weather. Then he complained that it was too cold in the buildings. He complained about the youth pastor. He complained about the, the employees at Six Flags. He complained about, complained about anything and everything that he could. His feet hurt. His back hurt. His head hurt. Lunch wasn't that good. It was kind of cold. Everything he could complain about, he complained about. And by the end of the day, man, my opinion of that guy changed. I didn't really want to stand in another line with that guy. 
I didn't want to walk through the amusement park with that guy. I didn't want to hear that guy say another complaint. It changed my opinion about him. And I believe that people notice when we complain. They notice when we choose to make complaining our lifestyle. Our kids notice. Our spouse notices. Our coworkers notice. Our church notices. Our small group notices. My job's too hard. The temperature's too cold. My house is falling apart. The church is changing too much. The church isn't changing enough. Complain, 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 complain. And I need you to know that those complaints have consequence. Do you remember how a moment ago I said my attitude was almost automatic? So are the consequences of bad attitudes. Listen to the complaints and the consequence of the complaints of the people of Israel. Numbers 11.1. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. When the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Wow. The outside of the camp was set on fire from the anger of God. Seems like a pretty heavy consequence for such a tiny sin. But I don't think so. I don't think that God has made the consequence too big. I think that in our minds we've made the sin too small. We've minimized it far too much. Oh, everybody does it, so it must be okay. It doesn't really affect anything, so this must be fine. No, the anger of the Lord kindles against complaining. It burns, it fringes the outside parts of the camp. And do you want to know the consequence of my complaining? Do you want to know the consequence of your complaining? It's the same as the children of Israel. We'll be left to wander in a spiritual wilderness. See, God had promised the children of Israel something called the promised land. He'd been promising it to to them for generations, but because of their attitude, anyone under a certain age wouldn't be able to experience the promised land. And some of us today are going to miss out on a promised land life because we can't stop complaining. Some of us probably miss that. Some of us here are going to miss out on promised land faithful moments because we can't stop murmuring. Some of us are going to miss a promised land miracle because we can't control our attitude. Man, and I can speak on this with passion because I'm speaking from experience. While I was at our Orland Park campus, man, God was so good. Man, I mean, sure, there was drama. Drama is everywhere. And sure, there were some frustrations. And sure, there was sin that was kind of happening around me. But those weren't the sins that kept me from the promised land of God. No. The sin that kept me from experiencing promised land level miracles was my own complaining attitude. I complained about my circumstances. Complained about my situation, complained about my struggles, complained about anything and everything that was an inconvenience to me. And for a few years, just like the children of Israel, I was wandering in a spiritual wilderness because I couldn't control my attitude. My attitude was controlling me. 
today, church, I'm here to challenge you because if you find complaining as an attitude that you're dealing with, it will hold you captive in the wilderness. I believe with all of my heart that God has a promised land level miracle for your life. I believe with all of my heart that God has a promised land level lifestyle that he wants you to live that you might not experience because you can't stop complaining. Ashburn, today I'm begging us to realize the severity of the sin of complaining. It'll destroy me. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy this church. Just like in Numbers 11, when the outside of the camp was burnt up, man, some of our church will suffer because we can't control our tongue. Today, I'm begging us to exchange this attitude of complaining for an attitude of thankfulness, a thankful attitude. I love what the NKGV says in Psalm 107. It says this, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his wonderful works to the children of men. I love that. Do you know why? Because I believe that it reveals to us that a thankful attitude is a choice. It's a decision. We choose to be thankful. Did you notice that, that the psalmist said, oh, that men would give thanks to God and not, oh, that men could give thanks to God? Because if it said, oh, if men could give thanks to God, that puts all of the pressure on God for us to have a thankful attitude. Oh, if we could experience a thankful attitude, but that's not what he said. He said, oh, that men would. That means the decision and the pressure is not put on God for us to have a thankful attitude. It's put on us. The pressure's on us to have that kind of attitude. I love this story. There was once a king who was passionate about, about hunting. One of his best friends had always been his hunting guide. And so there was a specific day where they went out together. His friend was guiding him to a specific place where he could hunt. The, the king took out an arrow with a bow and he pulled it back. And as he let go, the corner of the bow caught his finger and he lost his finger that day. Later on, his friend said, oh, praise the Lord. He knows what he's doing. And the king was angry with that. Why would he say that? Why would he make fun of my finger? He actually threw his friend in jail because of that statement. Talk about a prideful king. That king continued hunting. He found new people to guide him, and he actually found himself in a land that he'd never been to that was inhabited by a group of cannibals. And as he was hunting, he was captured, and they were planning to eat him. As they prepared to cook him, they noticed that he was missing one of his thumbs. The king of that tribe said, no perfect, no cook. Sent that king back his way. And when he got back to the prison, he found his friend. He said, you'll never believe it. Man, I wasn't killed. I wasn't taken away that day by the cannibals because I was missing my thumb. You're right. Oh, I'm so grateful that God took my thumb. The man in the prison was, was starting to laugh. He said, oh, I'm thankful that I've been here. Had I not been here, I would have been with you. And look two thumbs man have you ever met somebody that always looked at the glass half full no matter what was going on in their life they always saw the positive that's a decision that's a choice doesn't mean their life's not hard doesn't mean that they're not facing struggle or difficulty no it just means that they're choosing to be thankful you see thankfulness often begins with thankfulness thinking our mindset 
See, the mood we're talking about of a thankful attitude is often a mindset, choosing to be thankful in all things. And I have great news. A thankful attitude is a decision that's based on reality. It's a decision that's based on reality. Look back at the verse. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord because of his wonderful works to the children of men. Man, I want you to know today what I'm about to preach isn't the power of positive thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about the power of God. And God is reality. And in those moments when life is hard, in those moments where days get dark, in those moments where health is failing, in those moments where everything is falling in around us, we need to remember who is the reality. We need to remember who is in control of all things. He's the God of all power. Yeah, so you have a high-stress job. Isn't it awesome that God's given you a job? that you can use to provide for your family. Yeah, so you have a lot of home stress. Isn't it awesome that God's given you a home? Isn't it awesome that God has given you a family? Yeah, so life is rough, but isn't it awesome that you have breath in your lungs? Isn't it awesome that you have a reason to live? I believe today, Ashburn, that we need to view our life through the reality that God is in control. He never makes mistakes. He never messes up. And we need to choose to be thankful. It's a decision. It's a decision based upon reality. And it's a life-changing decision. Man, if you today choose to have an attitude of thankfulness, it will change your life. Look back at Psalm 107.1. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his wonderful works to the children of men. The first word on that verse, what is it? Oh. That's how we say it, too. Oh. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. But that's not what that word is. Actually, that word is meant to set the tone for the whole verse. It's an exclamatory word. When we read it, it should almost sound like this. Oh. 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 Oh, that men would praise the Lord for the wonderful works that he's done for the children of men. It sets the tone for the whole statement. And today, I think some of us need a little bit of oh. Oh, my God is good. Oh, my God has been doing things in my life that I have no deservance of. And that he's still faithful. Oh, my God is good. Oh, my God is loving. Oh, my God is faithful. Oh, my God is just. Oh, my God always comes in on time. He never messes up. He's always there. Oh, oh, my. The wonderful works of God. He's trying to tell us that a thankful attitude is a promised land attitude. He's trying to tell us that he has something great in store for us. It's right there at our fingertips if we choose to obtain it. Ten men had a serious disease. Every single one of them were going to die. This disease had no cure. This disease was highly contagious. So contagious that if you had the disease, 
You're not even allowed to be around anyone else in town. So they had their own town, a town for the diseased. No one could visit, no one could leave. They were trapped there to die. One day a man came through town, not the town, their town, knowing full well what disease lied behind in that camp. He chose to enter into those walls. When they see him, they they begin to cry out because they know exactly who he is. This was Jesus. Jesus, help! Jesus tells those ten men to stand up and go to the priests. They know who he was. They know the power that he had. They'd heard the stories of his miracles. All ten of them stand up, begin to head to the priests, and as they head that way, their bodies began to be healed. The disease that had no cure, they were being healed from. You, you could almost hear the joy in their voices. You could almost hear the pace of their steps increase as they realized their lives were changed. They were physically healed. All ten continue on their way except one. One of the ten turns around and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, Thank you. Thank you. Jesus says to that man, stand up. Faith has made you well. And Jesus wasn't talking physically well because all ten of those men were healed. He was talking spiritually well. Spiritually in a promised land. God has done so much for every single one of us. He's given us breath in our lungs, a life to live, people to love, people to love us. Don't Don't be like the nine. The nine who go on their way. Today, choose to be like the one one with an attitude of thankfulness who just comes before God in these moments says, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life, we would love to pray for you. Or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person, please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website, ashburnbaptist.com slash Chicago.